Welcome back to the Stick 'em Up podcast. Brundy, what do you got for us this week? Oh, we've got a a little bit, not a whole lot. Um, as opposed to to last week, we we had just a an avalanche of news and different things to talk about, but not as much today for this week. But we we still got a, we still got a decent amount we can we can run through here. Yep. Um, first off, uh, we'll go through a couple of the uh, milestones that guys hit in the last week. Uh, there's a couple. We got David Perron hitting uh, 300 career goals. Boo. We got uh, Nathan McKinnon also scoring 300 career goals. Just got his 300th tonight. Uh, we got Bray. <laughs> I was wondering if you were if you were going to use that. <laughs> I don't have a, I don't have a boo I don't have a boo one so I had to save it and just do the the clap one for for McKinnon. It's yeah. crazy to think he's actually only at, at 300 goals so far in his career. Yeah, kind of wild, but at the same time, I mean, you know, he's been playing for what ten years, so yeah, ten years averages about 30 goals a year. Makes sense. He's not known as a goal scorer as much as a yeah. You know that is producer. true. That is true. He also, you know, took a bit to really come into his own with the Avalanche. He's obviously scored the majority of those 300, I imagine, in the last five. Yeah. Um, I think with McKinnon, it's also interesting because we're we're kind of at a point now with him where we... I mean, I mean, I know he's always been up in the, you know, the talks of like one of the best in the league, but I think we're, we're kind of nearing a spot right now where, where we can almost say as of right now, you know, within the current state of the nhl and the players and whatnot where nathan mckinnon's a, a top three top three player yeah i don't i, I just you know he's I always kind of been put him in there i would definitely like put he's him always in my top three yeah because he's always kind of been you know top five maybe top three he's never once cracked my top three but we're kind of getting to a point where like you can make the argument that he's He's definitely within that top three now, so that's that's good for him. And you know, I mean, obviously, that's he doesn't give a shit about what I think. Like, I don't give a shit about what I think. But you know, th- I, I he's come a long way over the last you know couple years, and some guys are taking some steps back. So I, I you know, I think he's he's probably in that as of right now. And in, in the current league, I think he's he's in that top three. Yeah, so I think just wanted to throw that in there because Colorado's got some other issues. You know, there's uh, it really depends how much you value um, defensemen because depending on who you ask, uh, Kale McCarr is like the the fifth, sixth, seventh best player in the league because they got quite a few uh, forwards, mainly centermen, above him. Or a lot yeah. of people are like, oh, it's obvious, it's McDavid then McCarr. So. Yeah, McCarr doesn't sniff my. He doesn't sniff my top three. Yeah, he's he's very good, but uh, at at least right now, from like this season to the beginning of say last year, I think I think for me it's pretty solidly uh, McDavid and then uh, whatever order you want to put McKinnon and Kucherov. Yeah, I've I've got McDavid, McKinnon, Kucherov is. As my top three as of as of right now, just because yeah. if if you're gonna throw a defenseman in there, yeah, sure, Makar has the point totals, but again, then you know people always look to the recency bias. So then Eric Carlson beats him offensively and defensively. I would still take a, a Roman Yossi, a Victor Hedman. So it's like yeah, I, you you can't. Yeah. I just I can't make an argument for for Makar being in the top three, let alone top five, because. You you have to view it from a whole standpoint, and the way guys are going right now, I Crosby's in that top five still, still, which is crazy to say. Being at being at his age, he's, he's so he's good. still in there. So oh, McKinnon just got a hat trick tonight. I just saw it pop up. Oh, so well, there you go. He just I, builds. He just builds to the case. Yeah. Well, when I just I was just saying that he got three hundred career goals. I believe 299 and 300 were his first two goals tonight. So he's probably. Oh, oh is that just from. Now. Oh, that's just from. time. Oh, yeah. So that, yeah, that was sure just. That's be tonight. Like the game wasn't even over. Yeah. So that'd be. Yeah. So there it you go. Is. He's at 301 now. It he is. Didn't, he couldn't even stay right now for the Art Ross. 
currently. Yeah, he couldn't even he couldn't even stay on three hundred for the night. He's like, you know what? Let's just get to three hundred one and and get the ball rolling to the to the next one on the road to four hundred. Um, who else do we got? So we got Perron, we got McKinnon, uh, we got Braden Point tonight as well. Reached five hundred career points. So good for him. He had a two goals yeah. and an assist, I believe. Uh, this happened the other night. Uh, this isn't as big as the other ones, but uh, Kaprizov got his seventh OT winner, which is already the most in Minnesota Wild history. Yeah, and that's just going to continue to continue to grow over over the years. Now he. I don't think it's crazy to say that he's already the best player they've ever had in their franchise. They have not um, had a lot of guys that stick around for a long time. Like Zach Parise was there for quite a while. Ryan Suter was there for a bit, but they they've had all stars. They've never had superstars on their team, you know? Yeah, like, I I think he's one of those if, first game breaking players that they've got. They've got I think quite a few guys still from other not teams. number one. I think Miko Koivu is still that guy. Um, but I think you give it, you know, maybe even just a year or or two. I think Kaprizov then takes that, uh, yeah. takes that reign for them. But I think just in terms of everything Koivu did for for the Wild franchise and whatnot, I think is that's fair. That's fair. is is it's it's a bit too early to say Kaprizov, but like. You know, in, the fact that he's locked in long term and what he's already done, there's no doubt in my mind that, you know, by the end of his tenure with the Wild, like he'll, he'll be number one and he'll hold on to that spot for a long time. Um, that being we, said, uh, what do we got next here? Um, we got a few different things. Does there anything on our list jumping out that you want to go to next? Go to first. Um, not overly. Like, there's nothing that's immediately like, oh, like, let's talk about it. Um, you know, all of all of them are kind of just little, little minor things. Like we said, you know, it's not like last week where, you know, it was NHL fight night or, or or any crazy, you know, headlines or anything. Just kind of little little small things from around the league, but still noteworthy enough that that we're going to talk about so i'm i'm good to right. well to start wherever on the note of that we, then i guess uh first we'll talk about um dylan larkin's scathing comments on uh how he said it's hard to feel safe the way the nhl does discipline and i found it funny because he did say very specifically that last week in the league was really eye-opening to him and a lot of other players which is funny because that's exactly what we said. I mean, everyone, the NHL can pretend not, but everyone saw how bad, like, the discipline was in the league last week. Mm -hmm. I think I would take it more serious from anyone else except Dylan Larkin because I know he's alluding to the fact that, you know, Matthew Joseph and Parker Kelly weren't suspended for for what they did. And I'm still on the wagon of, I don't believe that they should have been. So, you know, I, I get Larkin's frustration. Like again, anytime a player, you know, like if you get knocked out cold, you're, you're asking for answers and like, why is anyone get suspended? But I don't, again, I don't feel like, I feel like the only guy in that whole sequence that deserved to be suspended was Perron. And yeah. he was. So I think that the department of player safety did, just fine on that account but it, it's the other ones especially the you know the the nick cousins gabranson thing i think yeah. i think cousins should have got suspended in general i think gabranson should have got suspended more than one game um so that that's that's the game that really is puzzling for suspensions but in terms of that ottawa detroit game i think they i think they did it just fine so, yeah, I get I, I get uh, what Larkin's saying. I it is yeah, I definitely think he's talking about a lot of the games throughout the week. Um, I just don't like that hard to feel games. safe comment because you know he's alluding to the 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 Detroit Ottawa game, which you know again I think if it's something exactly like that happens to an Ottawa player and they're knocked out, 
you don't see you don't even see Larkin comment on it. You don't see him saying it's hard to feel safe. Like I get it's because he was the one that was unfortunately knocked out as a result, but it's not a suspendable play. You know, it's a battle in front of the net and you just happen to get knocked off balance into a guy that's kind of coming coming in front there to join the mix. Like, you know, it, it, it's just no, I when, definitely, you, when you look at the league, it's I just like it's not the, a suspendable I don't know if offense. he's necessarily talking about his play, though. Like, if I, I, think, any, yeah, I think it is just by him saying hard to feel safe. I feel like he's kind of alluding. Why, why do you to, think hard to feel safe to, does that? Because, like, if I'm I feel like he's alluding to Steven what Sam happened to him and I watch what Nick Cousins did, I would feel less safe playing in the league that doesn't suspend that. Yeah, I feel like it's just because Larkin was the one that was at the brunt end of of probably the nastiest injury that took place throughout the last week. So mm-hmm. my initial thoughts is he just kind of, he's kind of alluding to you know his situation more than anything. I feel like he's not just in my opinion. I don't feel like he's necessarily commenting on you know what's happening around the league. He's more focusing on his team and and what's taking place within their games. Um, uh, he did specifically but, uh, say but, that uh, the league overall in the last week uh, had a problem with discipline. Um, obviously, within that week is when his incident also happened. The, I would say more than the, the league. I would say the refs were within two days. I would but, say more than the league. I would say the refs. Like I feel like the only thing the Department of Player Safety maybe missed out on is is giving a suspension in general to Nick Cousins. And then I think Gabranson should have got more. Like I get, you know, the refs didn't do anything. So he's like, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. Uh, but I think he still took it a bit too far. Um, yeah. You know, I, and, and you know what? I'm not even blaming Gabranson because at the end of the day, you know what? I, I, I kind of back what he did. You know, the fact that he got run from behind the way he did and wanted to fight Cousins right then and there. And he challenged him to an open fight right then and there. Let's go. And Cousins decides to turtle and then, you know, kind of beak at him from the penalty box when they're in there. I mean, Nick Cousins kind of brought it on himself. And Gabranson's like, hey, you know what? Refs aren't going to aren't gonna do it. So, you know what? It's up to me. Yeah. I still think both deserved uh, suspensions. Yeah, I would have given um, a maybe a two game suspension to to Good Branson and like honestly that Nick Cousins hit is really bad looking back. I'd give him like yeah. minimum six six games. Yeah, I think more than I think I think it's just the refs, man. Like just it's the inconsistency from the refs that that has been the problem. I don't think it's the department. It's, of it's definitely safety. leading to more violent plays, but I think I think either the league or the refs doing a better job would stop it a decent bit at least. Yeah. But yeah, I I really think both need to pick up their game and it's it's nice to see any players talking about it cuz like somebody's got to hold these guys Yeah, it, at least right now they're just clocking discussion. in and getting a paycheck. Yeah, at least with Larkin's comments it does create that discussion a bit more surrounding it which is good, but yeah. I I hope he's not referring to his situation because I think in terms of the way that the league handled it, I think was was just fine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that's, that's just my opinion. Other people obviously will feel differently. I know Detroit fans very heavily feel differently, and that's, that's fair. Like, that's your players, so I totally get that. But I think in terms of just an outside perspective, I think that situation in itself was... Was handled. I think the suspension's pro- over there. Uh, what uh, what actually uh, did Perron get for a suspension? Do you remember? He got, he got six games. He did get six games. That's a good amount. Which like I think it is setting a good precedent, especially much the fact better than that, past precedent too. Like because before that would have got one or two games minimum. Well, and that's the thing. Max. People's like, people's complaint was, you know, uh, Perron's got no no history with suspensions or anything. But I'm like, that's good though. They're like, you know, it shouldn't be like, oh, you get to go and cross check a guy in the yeah. the neck or the side of the head and punch him. And it's it's one or two games because you've been a good boy. It's like, no, you do something that's very clearly trying to take out a player long term and injure them. You should damn well get that. Yeah. You know, that that's six plus games. So I think that was yeah. if a anything, first time offender should get six games. If if like Tom Wilson went out and did that, throw 20 games at him. Like, yeah. 
if they are a repeat offender, they should get way more. But that doesn't mean we should be giving tiny suspensions to dudes for heinous acts like cross-checking a dude in the mouth when he's not even looking. Yeah, like it's like Larkin says he it's hard to feel safe, but I bet Zub feels a lot more safe for knowing that if a <laughs> yeah, guy's going to cross-check him in the neck or the head that that guy's going to get a get a hefty suspension. So it it really just yeah, it just depends on what what way you want to look at it from or or what side of the the scenario you're on. So um, but I, I do like the way that the player safety is, you know, kind of going in the trajectory for the most part. Like it's, it's not going in the right direction. That, you just wish it'd go a bit quicker. They're, they're kind of taking two steps forward, one step back. Yeah. Like they're moving in the right direction, but they are making, you know, decisions that are kind of moving them back a little bit. So, but it's still yeah. going in the right direction. Yeah. Um, while we're talking about Detroit, I just want to throw out there. Um, so we are recording this maybe an hour, not even after the uh, 5-4 win Tampa Bay over the Vegas Golden Knights. And I just want to pose this to Detroit fans. Um, do you guys have a massive problem with Vegas? Uh, I was in the Reddit game day thread, and it was all Tampa Bay, all Vegas, and a weird amount of Detroit fans. There was like no other team flares in there. There was a lot of Detroit fans and they all wanted Tampa to win so bad. And we're fi- we're fighting Detroit right now for a playoff spot. So it made yeah. me very confused. So I'm wondering like it does did they injure one of their guys at some point? Do they just do they just not like them because they you know, how do they keep staying under the cap in Vegas, you know? I I'm if we have any Detroit fans listening, I'd love to know your thoughts on that because I I found that very curious. Well, I I'll, I'll make it very clear how I feel about Vegas. I'm I've got I'm no stranger to that. <laughs> I'm I'm very I'm very open how I feel about them. Oh yeah, there that's was, interesting there, though. There's that, one or two Sharks it. fans that were happy about it. That that's interesting though. That yeah, Detroit fans are they especially are seem to love Vassie. when they're they're you know kind of I'm not sure, in but... the in the play like in the playoff uh, picture there together yeah and you know what i've you know i i have a bit of a soft spot for the red wings so i do kind of get it you know we we make a decent amount of trades they their head coach is our old offensive coordinating coach uh you know we've stevie why a few players so. stevie why like there's there's definitely a sh- a decent bit of shared history but i'm wondering if it's just that or if uh vegas really rubbed them the wrong way at some point yeah yeah it's that's an interesting one i i wasn't even really aware of that um we got uh we got mcdavid tonight uh pretty pretty out and openly uh not actually just mcdavid but all of the leadership group on the edmonton oilers uh using pride tape uh tonight during new jersey's pride night oh yeah yeah i saw i saw a um a highlight uh, that's always just fantastic to see yeah they yeah i did i did see something about that so good good on edmonton again you know it's it's one of those things it's like it is what it is you know the way that that teams and players go about it now like it's we can't expect it to be universal all we can do is kind of just highlight and you know, praise the guys and uh, the players that that will take a stance and still uh, be like, hey, you know what? I'm I'm still going to take part, even though the league doesn't feel that yeah. I should, or or other players feel like I shouldn't. Like I'm I'm going to do it because that's you know the way that I want to go about it. So, yeah. Um, do you want to grab any uh one of these next ones? I think we got three, three or four. Um, I mean, the interesting one is, is the whole Nolan Patrick situation. Like, yeah, you know, reports come out and say he's retired. Um, and then Elliot Friedman wants to, you know, hop on an interview and on a call with him and Nolan Patrick respectfully declined, but just says like, I'm with my family right now, but I have not retired. I still think he does retire. Um, like I know he's not officially retired, but I think he still ends up retiring just because I mean, yeah. He hasn't played in over like a year now. 
uh, the injuries, like the it's not just not even injuries, but just like the concussions and the history so and concussions. and all that. Just it, it adds up, and I think that's just more than anything gonna lead to his eventual retirement. So even though he's not officially retired, I think it kind of leads to that at, at some point here now. Yeah, I I doubt he's gonna play again. Like, obviously, I'd love to see him come back and have a great career, but, like, it's getting to the point where you're almost hoping he doesn't strictly because you don't want to see any more concussions. You don't want to you don't want to see him in the future just be another CTE statistic, right? Like, yeah, you just exactly. hope he has some quality of life going forward. And uh, hopefully he had uh, once he does officially retire, he's got uh, some stuff set up with the league and, you know, He'd be a great guy to be on the NHLPA or even on the Department of Player Safety. I mean, yeah, they have a they have a a guy who used to just be a goon and run around fighting people, running it. But how about a guy whose career playing career was cut short by injuries and guys headshotting him? I, I think more than anything, I think it's just the facts of the the long term kind of post concussion syndromes. I don't think it's really necessarily a fact of of guys take, taking cheap shots on him. Like I, I like that. I like him more in the role that it's reported he's in, which is kind of like a player consultant and whatnot, and kind of being a beacon for, for players to go to who are suffering similar things mm-hmm. rather than, than being a guy dishing out stuff. I'd rather see him in a role of, of trying to help, you know, current or future players who may be dealing with certain things, especially, yeah. you know, something like, like concussions that, are not only severe, but there's there's just such a wide um, variety and range to him. So I think he's more better suited in a role of of helping you know players that are are going through something similar of of to what he went through. Yeah, I yeah, I just meant like you know if he were to be on the player uh, department of player safety, you know, trying to reduce you know the amount of cheap shots that you see throughout the league because. Yeah, I, I don't think if we know, he's had a lot of concussions. I don't know how many of them were cheap shots, but I do know the last time he was on the NHL ice, Nathan McKinnon hit him with a shoulder right in the jaw. He didn't even have the puck. And yeah, that would be a trap. I, I think if we're ever going to see him, you know, get in, get into something like that, it's it's going to be years down the road. Like you're you don't really want. No, yeah. A, yeah, a 20, no, I, 23 year old getting in there. Like, I think you 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 more so like it's, it's going to probably take at least. Yeah. 15 to 20 years before he gets there. But I think to get to that point, I think taking time of, of being a player consultant and, and trying to yeah. give back to players who are dealing with what he did, I think is, is a perfectly uh, suited role for him. Um, yeah. 100%. Moving forward. I was, I was definitely, uh, yeah. Thinking that he would do that, like in the distant future, you know, when he's 35, 40 or something, not, uh, yeah. not putting a young guy in a, in a big uh, role like that right away or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So for the time being, he isn't actually retired. Uh, he wanted to make that clear. Yeah. He, he did make that very clear, which could maybe, I mean, I, I still am like, again, I'm not saying I hope he retires, but I, I still very strongly believe that he does end up retiring. Um, I more so just on his own accord rather than it just being fabricated and and point out. But if there's ever, you know, a, a, a day time or, or whatever that he feels like he can actually try and make a, a run in the NHL, make a comeback. I think that would be awesome for the league. And I think that'd be huge for him. Um, but again, yeah, one of those things that's just a, a wait and see. And we'll, we'll find out what happens at some point uh, in, in the future. Yeah, for sure. With that being said, though, um, what do we have left? I don't really know what we got left on We got the Jack Eichel news. Uh, it's not really current oh, yeah. news. Yeah, I don't really know what to, to make with that. I mean, you know, Jack Eichel just kind of spews shit out sometimes. Like, Cal, Cal, I mean, yeah, Calgary was in, in the mix. Like they were talked about, but so was plenty of other teams. Um, but and it sounds as, like as Vegas as, and Calgary were the final two. Right yeah, but as soon as Vegas finished. was in the mix, you knew Vegas had the pieces no other team had. So you kind of knew once Vegas was rumored that that that, that, that was going to happen just because 
no other team could could come close to what what Vegas was not only what they had in their system but what they're they were offering well so I kind of I'm trying to figure I'm trying to look around and see because apparently people uh people know what it was the flames offered them for Jack Eichel and a lot of people were saying that it was better than Vegas's offer was even close I'm trying to I I do remember I do remember seeing it at the time but the I I like so so what it was was it was a it was Jack Eichel for um with a conditional third round pick to Vegas for Alex Tuck Peyton Krebs a first a conditional first which ended up being a first round pick and a conditional second which ended up being a second rounder no no team could get close to that because Vegas was already offering up Alex Tuck who was uh oh he hold on hold on one sec one sec oh what a breakaway goal from duclair what <laughs> speed what speed um but so the original offer like everybody already knew was alex tuck a first and a second and then buffalo wanted peyton krebs which was vegas's former first round pick yeah. um and again i think even alex tuck a first and a second was still better than what any other team was off because Alex Tuck is a, you know, at the time he was a, a bona fide second line player who is still young, had so much potential on a great contract, and he's now blossomed into a first line player plus a first and a second. Like, no other team was coming close to that. And then, you know, the deal breaker for, for Buffalo was getting Peyton Krebs in on that deal. And as soon as Vegas said, okay, we'll include them, like the deal yeah. was was done and completed and approved and within, like within hours. Them them it was it was imminent that he was going to Calgary or Vegas, and they added Peyton Krebs because it was so close. And that's what tipped it in Vegas's favor. But Calgary, I think Calgary was offering a much better deal. What, what um, do you do you have what Calgary I was did offering? Find it. I did find it. It was Matthew Kachuk. Sean Monahan and Connor Zary uh, for just Eichel. And um, man, what a blockbuster that would have been. Uh, who knows how Monahan would have fit in there? He's always been a I wild card. I don't think that was very good because I think Buffalo already knew that uh, Kachuk wasn't going to stick around there. Yeah. And I, think and I wonder if, if thing Kachuk was that, like, not the- doing a sign and trade was an issue in it yeah wonder, i think that, that was kind like of a good trade to make right I think, so. yeah and, and and that deal was better but it was on the fact of like you know i think buffalo kind of knew that that kachuk wasn't uh wasn't sticking around or, or wasn't going to stick around at the end of his contract and again sure buffalo could have moved him but to get you know tuck who who's also a you know a, a uh, like he's from the Buffalo area. Yeah. So he was excited to go back there. He's on a great contract still. And you know, he wants to, he, he'll gladly spend his entire career there. Yeah. Uh, being back home. Peyton Krebs, who, I mean, hasn't worked out the best there. Like he's, he's kind of just, he's not working out like a first round filler wants, center. But yeah. Like he, he still, still brings value to the team. He doesn't bring what Buffalo thought he was going to bring. But then that first and second, I mean, like they've got, and that's know, just gravy on top. No, like they got Noah Osland, who's, you know, Vegas end up missing the the playoffs, um, when they got Ike, well, they just missed out. So that was a 16th overall pick, and they got arguably one of the best players so far to that 2022 draft, just based on pure prospect potential. Um, and I think they end up trading that. Uh, that conditional second was traded away as part of acquiring Jordan Greenway. So basically you just look at it as Peyton Krebs, Alex Tuck, Noah Osland, and Jordan Greenway for Jack Eichel, who, you know, made it clear he's never going to play another game in Buffalo again. I think he was more, more toxic to that team than he brought good by the end of his tenure. Um, 
and um, I and definitely I mean, think not, like, the the management brought it on themselves a bit, though. They, with they, them they did not allowing him to get the surgeries that he wanted. Like, it, yeah, it it. I think management started it, and then they were both very toxic towards each other. And, and in the end, it yeah. was just it was just ruined. It was just throw no it out. Was gonna trade. win. Let's let's get everyone a fresh start somewhere. And I think that that's one of those trade that that's a win win for both teams. Like it's the rare win win, and you kind yeah. of love to see that. Like. Maybe maybe yeah. not with Vegas being one of the teams, but it is yeah, I just, both teams clearly benefit from a trade. Yeah, I just found it funny when Eichel said that. I even at the time I was like, it's Vegas or bust. Like just from seeing Vegas's initial offer and knowing that, you know, Matthew Kachuk, he, he there there was no way he was gonna stick around in Buffalo. It was like, you know, he's either going to Vegas or they're holding off until uh, until the offseason to move them. Um, and I think Buffalo took the best offer that they saw fit for their future, and they took it. And I think it, it it's going to wind out being perfect for them because, you know, I think there's still time for Krebs to turn it around. Tuck, I mean, is, Tuck is doing his thing. He's, I think Tuck is Probably as good for Buffalo as Eichel is good for Vegas. Just because Eichel's got to share that that time with all those other guys, whereas Tuck can he can be the the Alex Tuck and he's putting up the the big time points, and then Noah Osland is is going to be a fantastic player for them in the future. So, yeah, and, yeah, it's uh, one of those those weird trades that actually ends up being a complete kind of win win for both teams. Yeah. And uh, I, when I was saying that uh, it was clearly a better trade offer for uh, uh, Calgary's package uh, for Eichel versus Vegas, I was talking in the mindset um, of back when the trade was being made. So, you know, you think of yeah, Alex Tuck as a middle six forward, not a, not a first line forward like he clearly is now. You know, he really took that next step in Buffalo. So Yeah, you know, the package in itself looked good, but in terms of knowing... What, knowing what we do what, now, it's even what, better. Well, and even just knowing at the time that 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 there there's no way Kachuk was going to stick around in Buffalo. Like there there was just no way that it made sense for Buffalo to to roll with that deal. On the flip side of that, if it he did go to Calgary, do you think that means Johnny Goudreau sticks around in Calgary? No, Calgary no. already sealed their sealed their fate with Goudreau. Uh, prior to him leaving like a year prior to him leaving so I, I that one i think was already and he i mean he made it clear that he he would he preferred to go kind of back closer to to home and and whatnot so i i don't think uh if he didn't stick around after the season he had with lynn Toman and kachuk eichel wouldn't be the reason he would have stayed mm, that's fair um, but aside from that, um, other big news is the Ottawa Senators have finally fired head coach DJ Smith and Jacques Martin has taken yeah. over that as the interim head coach and Daniel Alfredson joined the team as an assistant coach. Yeah, this is one of those this is one of those ones where I think I think the perfect hiring for Ottawa would have been Craig Berube. He just got fired from St. Louis. I think him coming into Ottawa, I think he would have been the perfect guy to take the reins. Um, and we even saw, you know, that would have been this, interesting. The coaching changeup happens, and Ottawa's on the midst of a like a four-game losing streak. They hold the optional practice, and only ten players show up to partake in it. Like, you know, I think even though it's an optional practice, I think when you've got a a brand new head coach in the mix and you're on a, on a losing streak like this. I think every player should be present and eager to, to try and figure shit out. And when you've got half the team showing up, you know, that kind of spells that there's, there's a lot of issues going on with, I, I think I put that more on management. I think they have to make it a a mandatory practice because they went into their next game without a single regular practice uh w- under their new head coach they had no system that they were now playing under and like you got to tell the guys look i know normally right now it'd be optional but it's a new head coach we we got to do something and like you know 
when you're given an optional skate, how long was it? Six days before Christmas? There's going to be I, I some guys still who on, show up. I think it's still on the players, though. You know what? Because now that separates. But you can't be mad at them ten... when you make it optional. No, like, but if that, you want that them to be there, shows... you got to make it a regular practice. But that clearly shows the 10 guys that are committed to the team and committed to getting better and winning, as opposed to the guys that that aren't bought into the system. So now you at least know the guys that you've you've got that are committed to Ottawa and committed to winning and committed to to being there and riding the ship as opposed to the guys that are more so just there to get their paycheck and play hockey rather than being being part of the solution. They're fine of just of staying stagnant where the team is. At least you know the guys that are committed to the team type of thing. And that's not to say I, the guys that did I, show up aren't don't care about the team I was gonna and say, don't want to win. I think it's but... fine to say that the 10 guys have drive, but I I've seen some people online trying to, you know, figure out what who the players weren't there and rake them over the coals cuz I think it's very unfair for them, you know, for how much hockey they play uh for and how much time they're on the road to be like, "All right, today you get uh you get an off day if you want." And then for them to take it and get a bunch of shit for it, that just doesn't quite feel right to me. But those are the guys that that can't complain when they're, you know, if, if they're first or second line or top defenseman, they can't complain when they're demoted to the third or fourth liner off off power player penalty kill. Because I like definitely you... would if my coach didn't give me a uh, anything to work with. Uh, they they some of those guys might have never seen him in person before their first game. But how do you not show up to the practice then, though? Like, why, why wouldn't you show up then? Like, I get it. It's like they're on the road, they're traveling. But it's like, again, just because they're athletes doesn't mean they're above everything else. Like, it's it's an optional practice for an hour. And you you choose not to show up. Like, you can't expect to to get all this and be like, okay, well, like, I don't know the system well, of the coach. Like, you, you I think it's more because the coach can expect all those other the team players to care there. about him when no. he hasn't done anything there yet. Like no, they, but it's like he needs to he needs to set a precedent, and I think he came into Ottawa looking weak. Well, I, but it's also he came in the day of of that practice, so it's like he he didn't really even like that. The management set that because they're like you know coaches just coming in. He probably doesn't have a whole scheme, you know, and practice schedule ready and whatnot. Yeah, like it's it's going to be coming not. in just kind of it's just kind of laying the the foundation of. Because again, he's only interim head coach, but it's like he's coming in, setting the the True. groundwork and the foundation. You can either come and be a part of that, or you can sit on the side. And so the guys that show up, I think, are the guys that saw that that elevated ice time, that extra looks on the the power play and penalty kill, and rightfully so, because you know those are the guys that said, "Hey, you know what? I could have a day off and and hang out and and do nothing, or I could show up and you know." introduce myself to the new coach and 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 get to know him and, and try and be a part of what he's trying to build and and so I, I commend those players because those are the guys that are committed to trying to to turn the wheels rather than being like oh you know what i'll i'll show up to the next mandatory practice of the game and then and then meet him and try and uh you know get things situated so i just give i just give respect to those players that yeah. That always take the road of, you know what, it's an optional practice, but, and, and I'm not even including injuries. Like injuries are, are, you know, if a guy's dealing with an injury, that's a whole, that's a uh, whole different, different, thing. Diff, different thing. But the guys that are healthy and show up and are trying to be a part of right in the ship, because Ottawa, like they're, they're in, they're in one of the worst positions in the league. It's like, they've got there. all this, all this star power. They can't win every free agent signing sucks for them they're losing draft picks like you know you want you want the guys that are that are going to be committed to even going on optional practices and and wanting to be a part of of trying to create uh create something better for the team to say the least yeah it just it, it felt weirdly passive to me from management um, well we know ottawa doesn't have great management though. yeah just, like just how the players how aggressive management often is in the NHL, and it's you know, you need to know your system so you can beat the other guy's system. It's it it feels like a strange lapse of judgment. But then again, I guess you know you're going to get that with uh 
firing a head coach that you've had for however many years, a long time, and just having an interim coach now. It's not even the full new guy yet. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, come next year we see uh, Martin doesn't stick around and we see maybe, uh, you know, they bring in someone new or maybe it's something like a, a Daniel Alfredson takes the reins. Like he's already now coming as an assistant coach. If he takes the rest of the season to kind of learn learn the the room and the group and the players and whatnot, we we could see a position where where Alfredson takes the reins as the head coach, and that that could be huge for Ottawa. Yeah, that would be absolutely massive. Like we've there. seen, that would be great for teams, with the fan base morale, even like yeah. So there 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 is bright spots for Ottawa right now. I mean, sends fans like you're going through a dark time. You're going to continue. Like Ottawa's not making the playoffs. They're not going on an incredible run. Um, Andrew Hammond's not around. Um, so it's, I think it's more now. So it's just trying to, to build towards next year. And again, it's just, yeah, that's the same thing we said before. It's like, Oh, next year they'll be good. And then, and then, Oh, they're not good next year. And so, you know, I think at least if I, you've got a solidified head coach. I feel like a lot of people coach, say that to the point where is, they just start writing teams off. But, like, no team rebuilds forever. Like, even even Buffalo is going well, to be good at some point. You're Arizona. You're, you're rebuilding for, well, for 10 yeah, years. That's different. They're rebuilding an arena, not a, not a team. So <laughs> No, I, I don't even – it's at the point now with the Coyotes. I don't even – I don't even take the whole arena thing into into consideration now. Like it's that's their identity. They, they've had, you have to. They've been looking for an arena for like fifteen years. Like, that that doesn't matter. Look at all the great players they've brought in that they've just turned around and shipped out because they're like, all right, it's you know we brought in these guys. It's not immediately working, so we're giving up. Like Connor Garland was one of the few guys that made it very clear he wanted to be a part of the Coyotes long term, and they're like. Nah, like, I mean, I mean, they got, you know, a first round pick that be, it's going to become a great player out of it. Dylan Gunther. But again, it's like you had at the time, like, I know he's not anymore, but Oliver Ekman Larson was a great defenseman and they, and their captain, they decided to move on because they're like, you know what, we're going to, we're going to retool a little bit. Like, I mean, now they're looking, they're looking uh, better this year but i mean like it's, it's been a 10 year term. long rebuild like yeah. it, it shouldn't take that long regardless because the, the whole arena thing is only as of the last two three years you had the full well, that's know, only seven eight years before arena. That. that's only their current arena problem though it was back in like 2008 when they knew that they were gonna have to they were going to have to find a new place. And then they found uh, whatever arena they played in for a while there. I believe they shared it with an NBA team, but it was always a rocky situation. There was there was a time in 2009 where it was very similar to last year, uh, where they didn't know if where they were going to play. And they got hey, lucky they and would, ended up sharing it. They would still be in Gila River Arena if they if the rebuild went well and they, they had a competent... Yeah. NHL bringing in fans the way they were before, they would have been just fine. Some but teams have a management issue. Some have long. a coach. Some it's some even it's players. Theirs has just always been every. It's part always of been management. management. Yeah, like it's always it's just been a, management. Some are bad teams. Like Buffalo is a bad has been a bad team for the last at least five years. Arizona is yeah. a bad business. Like yeah. Like that's, yeah. and that's the difference. That's why nobody talks about Buffalo folding as a franchise, but people talk about it with Arizona. Yeah. Because it starts from the top and it's been bad there consistently from the top, which is too bad. Yeah. Cause they have, like you said, with a lot of those players, they've had some good players come through, you know, they should have turned a bit of a corner a couple times and it's never really been put together because they keep, yeah selling on the rebuild and then well now the franchise is worth even less somehow yeah um with that being said though do we have do we have anything else really to um just a couple cover? things i i'm gonna fire through a couple of these rather quickly um how how long is it gonna take 
Uh, this one will take like 20 seconds. 20 seconds. Yeah, I'm basically just like reading these off, honestly. Okay, I'm going to step out for like a minute here quickly. Um, If you just want to, after that, just roll into the uh, the like the current stats leaders. Sure, I got that and then, right here and ready. Okay, perfect. And then once you're once you're done wrapping up with the end of that, then I'll I'll be right here, ready to go. Time for Braden Stats Corner. All right. No, hold on, hold on. Do that again. Do that again. Do that again. It's time for Braden Stats Corner. <laughs> there we I was go. Ex- I was busy expecting the golf clap. I wasn't ready for the air horns. Ah, the air horn's better for it. All right. Um, despite saying that, I'm actually going to get some other stuff before the stats. Uh, the Seattle Kraken acquire Thomas Tatar from the Colorado Avalanche for only a 2024 fifth round pick. That's pretty cheap for Tatar. He He's a good player, but just wasn't putting it together with the Avs team. So we'll see how he does with the Kraken. They've been good at acquiring depth pieces and kind of helping them work up the lineup in uh, in their system. Um, David Pasternak will not have a, he- a hearing following his hit on Lindgren of the uh, New York Rangers. Um, personally, I, I think, you know, I don't know if a suspension was necessary, but uh, I think he probably should have got five. That was, oh, you know what? He, no, I think he did get five for that hit, actually. I believe it was a five-minute major for boarding, so... You know what? I think that's about what it should be. A, a one or two game suspension wouldn't uh, be the worst, but they don't want to. He did, he, did, he did get five. Yeah, he did get five. He didn't get the suspension, which makes sense, uh, especially since he's a very marketable player. Um, but what can you say? Also, uh, I mean, I, I know this was reported already. Um, I know, like, I like Freeman reported it, but after that Thomas Tatar trade, um, the Colorado Avalanche now have 3.850 million in cap space um, after that trade, which is the exact current cap hit of Elias Lindholm with the Calgary Flames, who has been linked to Colorado in the past. So Colorado is kind of, I mean, not officially, but they, they, have, they are kind of labeled as like the favorite to land... Um, Elias Lindholm, should he be moved out of Calgary? Just because, I mean, that's what Colorado's been missing ever since they won their cup. Like, Kadri left, and they've, they've tried to find guys to, to fill that second-line uh, center role. Void, and, and, and it's just, you know, last year didn't work. Ryan O'Hanson just hasn't worked out in that role. So I wouldn't be surprised if, if Lindholm is, is where they're kind of looking at now, especially now that they, they have the cap space fully open and, and available to to bring in a guy like him yeah um so that, that would be that'd be crazy to see lindholm go to the abs yeah, um uh, like that team would get so much better did we already talk about uh no we already talked about kaprizov uh getting his ot winner yeah um uh the only thing i have left before we get into the stat leaders is uh uh, two days ago, the Buffalo Sabres got beat 9-4 to four by Columbus. And then tonight, they beat the Leafs 9-3 to three in their next game. So, yeah, it's, I believe I saw it was the first time since, I want to say the Red Wings in 83, that a team has gotten beaten uh, while having nine goals scored on them, and then put up nine goals in their next game. Uh, yeah. Matthews also in his post game interview said it was the worst game uh, since he's been on the team. So that's, that's not looking good over in Toronto. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah, they'll, they'll be fine, but yeah, that, that is a tough, a tough, tough go for, for the Leafs for sure. Yeah. Um, Last thing I got uh, here is just that the the Penguins' power play is back. Uh, for so long, they absolutely sucked this year. Uh, I believe Crosby has, like, five power play points in his last two or three games on, alone. Like, he, they, are, they are scoring like we thought their power play would this year. 
So yeah, it's starting to it's starting to click for them for them again. It's just like San Jose at the start of the year. You know, you can't you can't underperform that hard for eighty two games. NHL exactly. seasons are too long to be that insanely out of place for that long. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you have anything before I get into the stat leaders here? No, no, you're you're good to, good to run with it. All right, so uh, these uh, these stats will be a little out of date uh, because these two top players had a, I believe, a three and a four point night. Um, Nikita Kucherov is in first in the league for points with fifty four, followed by Nathan McKinnon at forty eight and J T Miller at forty five. Uh, for goals, 25 for Austin Matthews, first to get to 25 this year. Uh, in second, we got Brock Besser with 23, and in third, Nikita Kucherov with 22. Uh, for plus-minus, we got Quinn Hughes at 25, his D partner, Philip Hronik, in with 20 in second. And uh, seemingly out of nowhere, in third, we got Dylan DeMello from Winnipeg with 19. Um Oh, he's also tied uh, with Josh Morrissey uh, mm. at 19. So I'm going to yeah. assume they're D partners, but I don't know. Yeah, they are. Well, there you go. Um, two really, really uh, defensively responsible D lines in Vancouver and Winnipeg. Um, for top, in, top of the league in save percentage, we got uh, a 9-3-3 from Aiden Hill and from Jeremy Swayman. So they are in joint first. And then uh, in, we'll call it uh, joint third, I guess, uh, a 9-26 for both Jonathan Quick and Cam Talbot. Yeah. Not, uh, not, a, not a lot of the names I would have expected up there this year. But... Yeah, no, it's a lot, lot, of, lot of different names this year, but that's, that's good to see. It's good to see a little, little diversity happening uh, between the goalies. Uh, for leading the league in wins, we got uh, Thatcher Demko uh, alone up top with 16 wins. And then we got uh, both with 15, Connor Hellebuck of the Winnipeg Jets and Alexander Gorgiev of the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, it's another another guys you don't you wouldn't you don't you don't fully expect to see up at the top. Yeah, it's um. Man, it's wild. Connor Hellebuck, it's so weird because he's been a top five goalie in the league for at least five years now, and it still somehow feels like he's underrated. Like, yeah, it's it's always either him or Vasilevsky in the last like seven years to be leading the league in shots against. It's like those two fighting for most shots against. And then it's like a drop off of like 300 shots for the next guy, generally. Like it's, they, yeah, they both uh, play so many games and in systems that allow so many shots that it's uh, really incredible how much work they do and how much work they've consistently done since like 2017, 2018. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is, this is completely, uh, uh, we're we're done with the uh, the stats leaders he- segment here now. But do you think uh, Hellebuck, if because uh, he just resigned with Winnipeg, correct? Yeah, yeah. Do you think if he plays out at least the majority of that extension, maybe not the last year, do you think he ends up getting his jersey retired in Winnipeg? Most likely, if he if he plays out the majority of that contract in his career there, I most likely he does. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree. I I love getting people's thoughts on um goalies in particular, but uh, also just what uh players you think teams will retire their jerseys. Yeah. Cuz a lot of people have a very high bar for what it is like, you know, if you ask if you ask a Montreal fan, any anybody who's less than Guy Lafleur should never be in the rafters. Like they are very they are very tough on their guys letting them in over there. There's a lot of people who yeah. don't think Carey Price should have his jersey put up in the rafters. And I oh, think that's, geez. personally, I think that's insane. But yeah, he technically, yes, he did not win them a cup. So I guess you can make that. Yeah, that, that's the only knock he's got. It. He's got yeah. it. 
against him. Yeah. Although my response to that would be uh, he took the six, what was it, like the 18th seed team in the league and carried them to the cup final. Yeah. Yeah, exactly so right. He did his fucking best. He did. He did what he could. Given given the team that was that was in front of him. Yeah. And the team that's been in front of him for the last while, you know, I don't know if he ever played in front of a or behind a point per game player. No, he, ne- he never did. He never once had a point per game player during that season uh, in front of him on the team. So that that speaks a lot to to what he had to do in himself to really kind of carry the team and, and be be the backbone of of them during yep. his time there. Uh, with that being said, do we have anything else left on on the agenda here? Um, I got uh, I got one or two uh short things here um well uh you know what we can we can make a game out of this one we can make a game out of this one i will give you there is six answers i will give you seven guesses because you know a lot about hockey okay well, i have a list depends what it is i have a list of the six longest active nhl head coaches with the longest tenure in the league. Uh, you don't so have to put them in order if you don't want to. If you think you know the order, go for it. Um, but just name name these head coaches that are in the top six that have been with their team the longest. Ooh. Okay. Um, uh, and I, 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 I don't have to do them in order? No. Nope, just get uh, get all six, and then we can. I'll go over the order, and uh, it's also got their first season with the team. Um, the two most re- recent ones on this list. I'm surprised how recent they actually are, because like the six longest tenured, you figured they might, you know, be from a while ago. They're not that far away. Yeah, because because I I, 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 I do know in the league. I do know that uh, that that Sheldon Keefe is is on that list. Yeah, he is. Which... He is number six. He was he is tied with number five for uh, the newest. They were both in nineteen twenty. Yeah. Okay. Um. So he he's one of the six. Yes. Okay. Um. Just thinking off the top of my head. Well, obviously John Cooper is is way longer than than any other coach. Yeah, the second that longest one is fifteen sixteen, and then John Cooper at first is twelve thirteen. He's been there uh, for um, over a decade at this point. Well, if Sheldon Keefe's on there, then Mike Sullivan has to be. Mike Sullivan is second in twenty fifteen yeah. to sixteen. I was gonna say because he came in the year that Pittsburgh won their first of the back-to-backs. Um, Tom McClellan has to be on there then because he was there before Sheldon Keefe. Uh, he is uh, listed five on this list, but he's also got uh, the same first season as Sheldon Keefe, nineteen twenty. Oh, okay. No, but yeah, but I mean, like Sheldon Keefe was brought in midpoint. Mm, that might season. be why there ordered that way then yeah because i I know mcclellan was was definitely was definitely before um so what's i just need in the middle two more um oh rod brendamore has to be on that list rod brendamore is fourth (laughs) yeah he's he's been there for a while and who would be the last i'm just kind of just rattling through teams in my head and thinking I, like, every time I come to, he's like, damn, they fired a head coach recently. I imagine as soon as you get to this team, you're like, oh, yeah. Uh, uh, um, no, he got fired. Oh, uh, Jared Bednar with Colorado. Yep, Jared He's Bednar, been there for time. 16 to 17. Yeah, he's, he's been there for time. Nice job. He goes six for six, and in a timely fashion, no less. Yeah, yeah, because I was kind of going through, and I was just thinking of every team. I was like, no, they like every team has fired their their head coach recently. Like the only other guy I could think of that was maybe 
in there was uh, uh, Lindy Ruff with New Jersey, but I think even he was still within the last like three three years or so. Like there's been a lot of turnover. Like it's it's not a good time to be a head coach in the league. Like there's there's really no job job security when it comes to there them right really now. isn't like you have to have like they a get they get paid good resume to to be able to have job security and even then like one bad season is all it takes yeah um do you have anything else really I I don't have anything no we kind of got through everything uh everything that was on the agenda so I'm. I'm pretty pretty good and clear. All right. Uh, then I guess for our last thing, I will just leave us with um, uh, an NHL player got his first NHL goal uh, a couple days ago. Goes by the name of Angus Crookshank. Oh, yeah, the guy in Ottawa, yeah. And what I just name. wanted to shout out, what a baller fucking name, dude. Yeah, what Angus a name that Crookshank. is. Angus Crookshank. Dude should have been a hockey player in the 40s. Yeah, that that's a pretty pretty unreal name to have playing in the show like that. That's that's right up there with Dick Clapper. Yeah. Yeah, that's and one of those Chaz that's Lucius just a, when he gets a hockey name. That's just a, a born and raised hockey name right there. Hell yeah, man. Yeah, so can congrats to him. Um other than that, I don't really have anything else. I know, you know, within a couple of days here, um, you know, we're kind of waiting for a better time to record it, but we will have some World Juniors content um, coming out. You know, going to be a great tournament. Um, will be kind of tough to keep it on all the the games just due to, you know, our location and time zone. Um, a lot of the games take place very early on in the day, like we're, we're talking around, you know, 5 a.m. ish in that area. Um, so we'll be kind of tough to, to, you know, watch every game and, and have full full breakdowns of each. But, we, you know, we're, we're still going to we're still going to, you know, have the majority of the content from it and all the, the headlines and breaking news in it. Um, so we'll, we'll have lots of, of World Juniors content coming out for for all those that are as obsessed with the tournament as we are. I know. You know, it's one of my favorite times of year for hockey. Um, it's one of the, if not the best um, annual hockey tournament to take place every year. Uh, so, yeah, we'll have lots of lots of content coming out surrounding that. Yeah, that'll be good. That'll be good to get some of the coverage from that, especially with, you know, uh, Will Smith playing in them. I'm, I'm really excited to see some of him. I haven't seen any like any of his stuff other than the highlights they played at the draft. Yeah, he's he's going to be a big part of the American team. Probably, in my opinion, probably the favorites going into this tournament. I think it's kind of between them and Sweden are are the two favorites heading into the tournament. Um, if Canada wants to three-peat, going to be very tough. It is still possible. But I think my early prediction is it probably should be a, uh, you know, a, 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 a Sweden... Uh, USA finals. Yeah. But that's the great part about the world juniors is anything can happen. Slovakia almost knocked out Canada last year. Like no one would have, would have thought that amidst Bedard's, you know, record breaking tournament and yeah. Slovakia still almost uh, sent him out. So any, anything can happen in it and we will have all of that for you guys. Um, but once again, thanks for listening to another episode of the Stick 'em Up podcast. Again, if you want to join in on, on any of the conversations with us or throw us any questions or requests you may have, you can always find us over on Instagram or Twitter slash X at SEU Hockey. Uh, a lot more active on the Instagram as or the sorry, the, the Twitter as of right now as opposed to the Instagram. Um, but in due time, we will be very active on both of them. So make sure to hop in and be one of the first people um, to be a part of this journey with us. And again, any requests or questions you have for us, we will uh, we will make sure to to answer them, whether it's, you know, through through the platforms there or right here on the podcast. Um, we will not ignore you one bit. With that being said, uh, Merry Christmas to all. 
I think I think we forgot to say that uh, because yeah, this will Merry be Christmas if you're listening be the to this last, at Christmas uh, time. Yeah, this will be the last one before before the holidays here, or Happy Holidays um, to all of those who, you know, don't partake, don't participate in the traditional um, festivities. Um, you know, we 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 include all people. Um, you know, we we talk about Vegas, so that kind of shows that we like to include all people. <laughs> Um, but yeah, with that being said, thanks to everybody for listening to another episode of the Stick 'em Up podcast. And we will catch you guys very soon. Not next Friday, before then. We will be back very soon. <laughs>